welcome to the LMI podcast. In this episode, we continue our mini-series looking at cross-cultural mission in the book of Acts. Previously, we've looked at events relating to Philip in Acts 8. We now move on to consider events with Peter in Acts 10. Before we turn to our chosen passage, it's really important that we have the context in mind. Chapter 10 opens with Cornelius, a God-fearing Roman centurion, who received a vision in which he was told to call for Peter. We then read of another vision that Peter himself received, in which his Jewish heritage of regulations about that which was to be considered clean and unclean were challenged. God was clearly preparing Peter for what lay ahead. We're told that whilst Peter struggled to get to grips with the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius arrived and they requested to see Peter. We read in Acts 10 verses 19 and 20, While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. Or as some versions say, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. We then read that Peter met the visitors and left with them the very next day. Having received the vision, followed by the prompting of the Spirit, Peter set off for Cornelius' house. And that leads us up to our chosen passage for this episode. So, please open the Bible to Acts chapter 10, and we're reading from verse 24 onwards. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your arms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon Atana by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptising these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now, it's clear from the start of this passage that Cornelius was expectant and eager to hear from Peter, having gathered his family and friends together for this purpose, prompted by God's vision, of course. Cornelius had a picture in his mind about God, but it was clearly an incomplete picture. And that becomes obvious when we read of him falling at Peter's feet to worship him in verse 25. In verses 26 and 27, we learn that Peter quickly corrected him and began to talk with him. He entered Cornelius' house and found what we may assume was a room full of people, according to verse 27. Cornelius himself was merely the tip of the iceberg. There was a whole lot of other folks who would hear Peter's words that day too. And so in verse 28, we have recorded Peter's explanation to those in the house of the change that occurred within him. His former Jewish expectations regarding interaction with other nationalities had given way, following God's revelation to him concerning these matters. So there he stood, a Jewish man in a Roman soldier's home. He asked why Cornelius wanted to meet with him. In the next couple of verses, we read of Cornelius's response, and it becomes clear that he and the others present were waiting with open hearts to hear what Peter had to say. So let's consider Peter's words. In verses 34 and 35, we learn that Peter shared something of that which was dawning upon his own mind through all of these experiences that there were indeed people of other nations and races outside of the Jewish people whom God longed to receive the gospel. Peter, freed from his former ethnocentric inhibitions, shares the good news of the gospel with Cornelius and the others. We then see the divine stamp of approval on this gospel advance into Gentile culture as the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard Peter's message according to verse 44. Now Peter was clearly not the only one who needed a change of perception. In the next two verses we read of the amazed response to these events among those who travelled with Peter from Joppa. 
This incredible scene ends with Peter's call for baptism to take place, recorded in verse 47 and 48, and the request from these newly baptised believers for Peter to remain with them for some days. So, having looked at this momentous example of cross-cultural mission in Acts, what might we notice that could inform the task of sharing the gospel across cultures today? Well, we're going to make four brief observations, but if you take some time to really investigate this passage, I'm sure you will enjoy many more. Firstly, as we've noted in previous episodes, mission really is a reflection of God's heart. The divine initiative displayed throughout Peter's encounter with Cornelius serves to highlight this. Think about it for a moment. God's revelation to Cornelius. God's revelation to Peter. The Spirit's guidance given to Peter. And the Spirit's filling of those who heard Peter's word. These events are all instances where God took the initiative. Now why would God do this? Well, it's because mission is a reflection of God's heart, and it should be likewise for his people. We recognise the eagerness and openness displayed by Cornelius and others. This attitude is repeated throughout the world today, as people respond in faith to the gospel. As Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. That's not the issue Jesus highlighted though, is it? He chose to highlight the fact that the labourers are few calling for prayer in response to this. Those around the world with open and eager hearts, just like Cornelius and co, are waiting on the other side of our obedience for the gospel to reach them. They need to hear the gospel to be able to respond to it. And so we must make sure that God's heart for mission is a central feature of our discipleship today so that those prayed-for labourers will sense the need and respond to the call to reach the lost. Secondly, building upon our first observation, we noted that Peter had to undergo a significant change in his perceptions in order for him to see that the gospel of Jesus was to be shared beyond the realms of the Jewish people. In the very next chapter of Acts, we see that they had to defend this shift in perspective in the face of criticism. There's a good reminder for us here to ensure that we don't hold any prejudices or presuppositions that inhibit the advance of the gospel through our witness. Now the reality is we may not even be aware that we hold such views. And so it's good to ask ourselves if there are any peoples, places or cultural groups that we have neglected or overlooked in our thinking about mission. Do we need to undergo a change in perception? to be free from such prohibitions. God took the initiative to ensure Peter was realigned with the universal scope of the gospel. And it's important that we hold to this same expanded vision. Thirdly, we noted that Cornelius had an awareness of God, but that it was lacking and in need of further revelation. That's exactly why Peter was sent to him, wasn't it? So that the gospel could be shared with him in his household. We're reminded here of the importance of the gospel. It was not enough for Cornelius to remain a Christless God-fearer, a recipient of general revelation to some degree or other. He needed to hear the gospel, to receive the news of God's special revelation. 
That's exactly what the Bible portrays in Acts 11. You see, when Peter explained these events to the church at Jerusalem, he provided a summary of the message which Cornelius had received in his angelic vision. And so in Acts 11 verses 13 to 14, the scriptures record that the angel said, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. The angel's message to Cornelius was that he needed to hear and receive a message, the gospel message, to be saved. The revelation he had of Israel's God was not enough for salvation. It was not enough for Cornelius to be saved. He needed to receive God's special revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, just as Peter explained. You know, we must not lose sight of the unique and indispensable importance of the gospel. The endeavours of cross-cultural mission today will lead disciples of Jesus into encounters with others who may have some level of God awareness, some form of recognition of the divine, or some religious beliefs. However, these things will not save. Only faith in the message of the gospel saves. Did you notice how thoroughly Christ-centred Peter's message to Cornelius was? He spoke of the unique nature of Jesus as the one whom God had anointed and whom God was with, the one who was crucified and whom God raised from the dead. He spoke of Jesus as the one who's been appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead, the one whom the biblical prophets pointed towards to prepare people for his coming. You know, if you were to take Jesus out of Peter's message, there would be no message. For Jesus is absolutely central and crucial to the good news that Cornelius needed to hear for salvation. Religious beliefs and a God-fearing awareness of the divine counts for nothing with regard to eternal salvation and the forgiveness of sins if the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is missing. In a pluralistic world, when a diversity of beliefs are encountered in cross-cultural mission, we must appreciate the unique and indispensable nature of the gospel and the need for people to respond in faith to this message if they are to be saved. Finally then, our passage ended in verse 48 with a request for Peter to stay on for a few days. Now we're not told what happened in this period of Peter's stay, but it may well have included a range of questions and space for further teaching after this initial experience. We don't know, but this possibility reminds us that cross-cultural mission should not be thought of as creating converts, but rather as developing disciples. In today's work of mission, when people come to faith in Christ, their conversion must be followed up with fellowship and discipleship. Teaching and support must be provided to help establish and encourage new believers along the path of maturity in Christ. Now up next in this series, we focus on the church at Antioch in chapter 11 of Acts. So do look out for that in a future podcast episode. If you would like to study God's word with us and join our student body alongside many others from countries around the world, you can enroll online at our website to begin our free distance learning program. 
For information about Logos Ministries International and our work supporting the proclamation of Jesus around the world, please visit us online at www.lmi-org.net. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle LMI underscore connect or find us on Facebook by searching for Logos Min International. Thank you for listening and do join us next time on the LMI podcast. Thank you.